Gut health, food intolerances, food allergies, immunity, and overall well-being. This is episode 63 of the Inspired Energy Podcast. And in this episode, I'm catching up with Sharon Hesp, a Sydney-based naturopath who is also known as the Good Gut Girl. Sharon wholeheartedly believes that it is possible to change your life through good gut health. Sharon is so passionate about this topic and has been helping people for over a decade improve their overall well-being and health through focusing on their gut health. We explore this topic and it is so valuable right now so people can improve their immunity and just their overall mental, emotional and physical well-being. I loved this chat with Sharon and hearing her passion and knowledge come through and I hope you get as much out of this great conversation as I did. Welcome, Sharon, to the podcast. Great to see you. Great to um, catch up with you. How you been? Oh, fantastic, Murray. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling good today. I am feeling a bit heavy-hearted about all that's going on in the world, that's for sure, particularly in America. And um, it is spreading, obviously, the protests and the awareness around um, just what's going on and the changes that need to be made. And Whilst you and I both understand strengths and I do joke around and say my empathy is low and yours is high, I'm definitely feeling it at the moment, that heaviness as well. Yeah, that, that's understandable. There are major changes going on in our world at the moment and, and sometimes it's a little bit hard to cope with everything because there is just so much going on. Yeah, and I know that's something you help with your clients that you see around how to handle that and do that. And similar to myself, I guess, with the clients I see, quite often it's coming back to what's in your control, what can you do about it? And, um, and having the conversation, I think, is really important as well. That, that is very true. And, and often I will say to my patients, there is nothing that I can do to control what's going on around you. But there are lots of herbal medicines and supplements I can give you that will help you to relax into what's going on and not be so stressed about what's happening. So it gets you, the herbs and supplements will help you to adapt to situations rather than reacting. Mm -hmm. And um, that building of resilience within the body with the work Mm -hmm. that you do so that we can handle um, what's going on in our world, I'm sure that's... That's what I'm hearing there. Now, you are known as the good gut girl. Yes. Yes, which I love. I love it. It's such a great <clears throat> saying and a great um, perspective that you bring that people I, I know need to learn about. I want to ask, why, why this focus on the gut? How did that come about for you in, in your area of naturopathy? Gosh, I remember many years ago, around 12 years ago, when I was studying and in clinic we had a supervisor and she was really big on food intolerances and it was such a complex world. And I, I remember thinking, I'm not sure that I'm really going to get into food intolerances when I get out and become a naturopath because it's so complex and it's so hard. Sure. There must be an easier way to make money. So I remember when I first became a naturopath and my very first patient had a food intolerance. It was like, oh, okay, I really know what to do here because I'm really experienced because of my clinic supervisor and then the next person and then the next person. So I did probably half my work in the beginning around food intolerances and then a a letter landed landed in my letterbox from the council and they were saying that they wanted to help health professionals to build their business within the the St. George community. So I thought, 
okay, that sounds great. So they, um, they created and ran a business course for us and it was absolutely brilliant. And in one of those lessons, I can remember one of the facilitators saying, oh, you really need to pick something that is, that, um, is happening now, that there is a future to, and you really need to niche. And I was like, hmm, okay, I think I know what I need to do. So I said, look, I really think I need to focus on food intolerances because I have a lot of experience in it and more and more people are coming down with gut problems. So I did, and that's what I really focused on. And since then, that's almost, in fact, that is the only patients I do see have gut problems. If I have someone with fertility or someone with cancer or someone with some other problem, I will refer them on automatically because in my mind are gut problems day in, day out. So when I sit and I listen to somebody, immediately it comes straight to mind. I never have to go to a textbook. I never have to go and look something up because it's just what I do day in, day out. Mm-hmm. And your, your depth of knowledge from seeing all those people and understanding their needs uh, um, is this, I can imagine this library that you have just ready access to in your head and in, from all those experiences. That's correct. And there's a lot of anecdotal um, symptoms with, with gut problems, um, lots of anecdotal symptoms that you see. So if, for, for instance, if somebody would, would present with a fructose malabsorption problem, they would have pain high up in the gut, that pain at times will be really severe, Uh, They will be worse after garlic and onions. They will be worse after fruit on an empty stomach. Uh, There could be anxiety. There will be liver function problems. So straight away, before I even test, I will think, "Mm, okay, it's likely that there's a fructose malabsorption problem here because those symptoms are very, very common in that gut problem. So for those people listening that may not have an understanding of the difference between a food allergy and a food intolerance, okay, can you help us understand those differences? Yes, yes. Um, They're both mediated by the immune system, but an allergy is an IgE-mediated problem and an intolerance or sensitivity is mediated by the IgG part of your immune system. So With the IgE part, it's like we all know someone that has a peanut allergy or a seafood allergy. So the reactions that you get will happen between around sometimes 30 seconds up to 5 to 10 minutes after you ingest that food. Where an intolerance will happen, you will get a symptom between possibly half an hour and up to five days later. So it makes it quite difficult to... um, to work out what's going on. So I I do test a lot for intolerances because it's just the easiest way to do it. But yeah, there's a big difference between an allergy and an intolerance. And obviously allergies are life-threatening emergencies and you you will always have an EpiPen and and there's a huge difference. And once you either have an allergy or you have an intolerance, then you understand what's going on. Yeah, I think that's a a distinction that I was aware of, that an allergy is life-threatening, whereas an intolerance is, and tell me if this is incorrect, it it causes um, health, I guess, concerns and problems and discomfort, but doesn't have that same uh, consequence that that when you have the allergy it has. That's correct. That is right but it does create some really uncomfortable and really awful symptoms for people that they have to live with day in, day out. And sometimes people just tend to get used to it and their illness becomes their new 
normal, their, mm. their way of feeling, that this is how it is, this is how it's always been, this is how people feel. Whereas an allergy, it's a totally different thing. I've heard some things in the media over the years of that there's more people um, having food intolerances than the past and they're on the increase. I'm wondering, is that what's happening or are we just getting better at identifying them or is it a bit of both? Look, I do think it's a bit of both, but there are a few things that really will contribute to a food intolerance or a gut problem and that is stress. And you look at the world, especially since January this year, and look at the stress people have been under. Mm. It's been huge. But as well as stress, it's poor dietary choices. So too much wheat, too much dairy, too many processed foods. So, and people say, oh, oh, in my day, you know, my grandparents didn't have that. They had a very different life than we have now. They had a community to help them. They had family to help them. And they ate food from the gardens you know, or they had they, they had a lot of fresh food. They didn't have nearly as much processed foods as we have or nearly as much stress. So both of those things are huge contributors to food intolerances. So if I'm walking around and I think I've got a food intolerance, what should I do? Okay. First thing is you need to find a naturopath that is great with gut health. Um, because they will be able to help you. Um, I say to people... Can I just go uh, back a second? How sure. would I even know if I've got a problem? Ah, interesting. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So you would have symptoms, and I'll go really probably from the head down. You may be getting headaches. You may feel a bit foggy. You may have a terrible memory. You may be getting mouth ulcers. You may be getting indigestion or reflux. You may be getting gut pain. That gut pain may be high up under your ribs or it might be lower down. Um, you may be getting bloating, you may be tired a lot, um, your muscles may ache, you may have um, your poo might smell, um, all of those sort of things are symptoms that you may or may not have. I think that's uh, quite a big list and actually I think brings attention that when we are out of alignment there's problems in our gut. It can impact so many parts of our body, can't it? Oh, of course it does, yes. Um, okay. So then, as you are saying, if we've got some of those complaints or we've got some of those uh, health concerns and my normal is like that and I don't want that normal anymore, uh, you start to say then see a naturopath that has a knowledge and skill around gut health. Yeah, that is so true. And the key that I, that the way that I like to operate, I, the way that I do things is you need to find the cause of what's going on. So, and with, with gut problems, it can be many things. It can be a food intolerance. It can be SIBO, um, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It might be a fructose malabsorption problem, or it could be just too much bad bacteria in that gut. And, you know, we all see the television ads where you've got the good bacteria dancing and the bad bacteria dancing and the bad bacteria tend to take over. And that just means there's too much bad bacteria in your gut. It can be a candida overgrowth. It might be a parasite. It could be a salicylate problem. It could be a histamine problem. Um, so, so there are quite a few things that can be. But the key is, as with all health conditions, you need to find the cause before you can treat it properly. Um, mm. There is only so much that you can do symptomatically. It really is about finding the cause. And something you're saying before about the, the time frame that the symptoms can show up, is there like a load 
that you can slowly build up over a period of time with those food intolerances or those problems. It's not like a switch and it just happens. So it could be a number of things going on to get to a point where you've got the pains and the aches and the symptoms. Yeah, that is very true. It's a little bit similar to the perfect storm. And often what you'll see when people have a food intolerance, they'll have a stressful event. So they might get married, they might get divorced, they've, they've bought a house, they've had a child um, or someone's died. So they'll have this really stressful event that happens to them and their gut lining becomes in really bad shape. And if the food proteins are not being broken down or digested properly, those food proteins drop into that leaky gut, through that leaky gut into the bloodstream, and you'll have a reaction. So I'll use myself as an example as to how this happened. Um, and about nearly 10 years ago now, my mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And she had passed away within the week and she was only, she was 63 years old. So that's a relatively young age. And then all of a sudden she was alive, relatively healthy. And within a week she'd passed away. So it was a really stressful time for me. And I, I can still remember the stress of that time. And about, so I went back to work and, and do the whole funeral, all of the things that you're supposed to do when somebody dies. And then about three months later, it was like, why am I so tired? I was so tired. I would set my phone alarm for 20 minutes and sleep on the couch between patients because I was so exhausted. And I, it took me quite a while to work out what it was. And they went, hang on a minute, maybe I've got a food intolerance, but I'd never had any other symptoms, no bloating, no pain, no constipation, none of the other symptoms that I've talked about at all. And I thought, well, just test yourself and see. So I did, I did the finger prick blood testing clinic, process it all. And was like, oh my God, there was about five or six foods that showed strong intolerances. I went, okay. I still wasn't convinced. I thought, okay, well, just remove the foods and see how you feel. I felt terrible for the first four or five days as I removed those foods from my diet. But, but like day five or day six was like, I could run to the top of Mount Everest. I felt so <laughs> good. And that's when I knew, okay, it was a food intolerance. But, but those are the sort of things you see with a food intolerance. You see... A stressful event and you will always I always had a little bit of hay fever that's it that's the only sign or symptom I had and obviously I had gotten to like other people this is my new normal this mm. is how I'm supposed to feel when it wasn't so yeah. it's quite interesting very the thing that I'm thinking about too is when we're under stress quite often we go to drinking and eating things which aren't the best for us oh, always which then compound the problem I guess yeah, that's true. And two, what happens is people think, well, I'm feeling really bad anyway, so why wouldn't I eat and drink what I want to eat? Because how much worse can I really feel? I'm, Often sorry, you I'm, see that. I'm feeling crap. So you know what? I'm just going to drink some more so I can not feel it. And then I might eat a whole bunch of, I don't know, junk food or comfort food because yeah. that's what I'm feeling like. And then that's not helping as well. That's correct. That's exactly what happens. Yeah, It's a huge vicious cycle that sometimes you need someone just to step in and intervene and say, let's look at things in a different way. So you mentioned good and bad bacteria. Uh, what are some things which help us uh, build that good bacteria in our gut? Okay, with the good bacteria, you need to, for, for really good gut health, you need around 40 different plant foods per week, which is a lot of plant foods per week. Um, ideally, if your gut is in great shape, you will cope with those sort of plant foods and that will keep your gut in fantastic shape. So it's about variety. It's about brightly coloured foods and things such as that. 
Okay. And I've heard that drinking doesn't help those good bacteria. No. And when I say drinking, I mean drinking alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Alcohol, alcohol and caffeine can be really detrimental to the gut lining. It's really quite inflammatory. And you've got your gut lining, you can imagine it's like having, um, if you can imagine your fingers, your hand, and you open up your hand and you can spread your fingers out beautifully. And that hand works really, really well. So then imagine if three of those fingers were stuck together and only one was open, your hand won't function very well like that. Your gut's the same. If it's not in great shape, it can't function well. And, and then you're inflaming that one little part that is still open. Mm. Um, then it just compounds and becomes worse and worse and worse. Yeah, okay. Um, so this is a bit of a reset for me. Thanks, um, Sharon. I mean, I'm now drinking less, drinking less coffee. You're just ticking off these things, maybe. What else am I going to cut out? Next, you're going to tell me no chocolate. Ah, uh, see, <laughs> I know. And see, the, the problem with chocolate is the dairy. So I think he, it's, and people always forget that chocolate has dairy, but it's mm. called dairy milk chocolate. So look, dairy or, or A1 dairy in particular is the probably the, the food that is most problematic for most people. But you can have dark chocolate because that doesn't have any dairy milk in it. You just need to be careful when you read the label that it doesn't say it contains milk solids. So I do um, have, I do like my dark chocolate and I am mindful also of enjoy life in moderation. So having those small bits of dark chocolate. Um, uh, but I, you know, I think we all slip up and that's something maybe which I wonder about too, and about being kind to ourselves when we do slip up a little bit, because we got to be kind to ourselves maybe to get back moving forward again, yeah. don't we? Yeah, of course. And, and I often say to people, you know, when they, they, they'll, they'll come in for their second or their third appointment, I say, look, I need to be honest. I haven't, you know, I haven't done what you've asked me and I feel terrible. And I say, look, you're a human. It's okay. You know, just get back on the horse. And let's start again. It doesn't mean that you've ruined all of the work that we've done. It just means that you're humans. And, and you know, just don't be so hard on yourself. Let's give you, um, find ways to help you to do it better. Yeah, great, great. I need to ask about the emergence, if that's the right word, about kombucha in the last, uh, must be last couple of years, I guess. Yes. And I, I admit, I don't mind... Uh, if I'm at the shops or if I'm getting some petrol from the service station, I might grab a bottle of kombucha and I'm, I'm telling myself that's a better alternative. And I haven't drank Coke and things like that for years that, but I'm telling myself that's a better alternative and that's doing me some good. How much good is it doing me really? Kombucha is a little bit like sauerkraut and it's a little bit like all of the so-called functional foods now that are probably sexy is probably a good word for them. Now, with your gut health, they say that things like kombucha and sauerkraut um, give your gut good bacteria. In fact, they don't give your gut good bacteria. They are like all other foods and they are transient. But one good thing about them is that's another food, so that's another source of variety for your gut, um, which is also good. So I say, look, you know, maybe one kombucha a week is fine, but a kombucha every day is too much. And often I will see patients that say, okay, I've been on this huge health kick. I'm having kombucha and I'm having sauerkraut. I'm juicing every day and they're just getting worse. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know you're just getting worse. So 
It doesn't mean that th those things in large quantities are better for you. Um, have those sort of things in small quantities. And I always think that water is probably the best thing. Just get a sparkling mineral water one mm. time. Get a kombucha the next. When you want to have a treat, a kombucha is fine, but treat it as a treat food, not a normal food. Yeah, not an everyday food. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I'm also thinking about uh, what I've learned over the years about listening to my body and mm -hmm. how powerful that's been around my decision-making or what it's telling me or if I need to slow down. Um, I'd love to know your perspective around how much we do and how much you see the power in listening to our body. Look, listening to your body tells you a lot. And I find when a patient first comes in and I ask them a series of questions, they have no idea what is going on in their body. But once we remove problematic foods, whether they be intolerances or cyber foods or fructose foods or foods that are bad for the bacteria in your gut, people then start to listen to their body and then they'll have a food that they're not supposed to have and they can feel exactly what's going on. So sometimes it needs for somebody to say to you, let's look at things in a different way before they actually do stop and listen. And once they do stop and listen, they go, ah, now I can hear. Yeah, it's like that whole you can't see the forest for the trees until someone points out that particular tree and what that will do for you. And then you go, okay, now I can see. Yeah, that awareness now and then taking more notice of it as you consume different foods and what the reaction is that your that's body might correct. be having to this. Yeah, that's gotcha. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, Shaz, I'd love to know, I mean, you shared a couple of stories about yourself, but is there a story or some insights around someone you've helped? Of course, mindful of, we don't want to know their personal details, but I'd love to know the impact that you've had and some of the people you've worked with. Yeah, I think the biggest, um, the biggest stories that I, I do see come from young children and from people that have terrible diarrhea. And, um, and often I have people that come to see me and, and honestly, sometimes it's heartbreaking and I, I almost feel myself in tears because for these people to get to work, they need to take medications such as GastroStop because if they don't, they actually won't make it to work to get to the toilet in time. So, and often it's as simple as it might be an egg intolerance, it might be a fructose malabsorption, it just might be too much bad bacteria. And just a small change in diet makes a huge difference, you know? Mm. So with adults, I see that a lot and I love that. Um, but it's, with children, uh, it, it's so you will see a small child that will come to see you with, with one of their parents or their carers and their tummy pain is terrible, you know? And actually there is one great, great story that I will tell you about a child that once came to see me. There was a lady, uh, she came to see me, she had four children and the, her youngest boy, uh, was the one that was unwell and I don't like to test children I like to if I do need to send them for a blood test I will but I do prefer to say look let's remove a couple of foods first so we remove these two foods from this child's diet and the mother came back in I think it was probably a month later and she said Sharon she said thank you so much she said I thought I just had a quiet child she said the three of my boys were like bouncing off the walls and the chairs and the couches like energetic children. And she said, my fourth child, she said, I just thought he was quiet. He used to like lay on the couch. He used to sit around. He, he never had any energy. He didn't used to do much. And she said, now I realise he was just unwell. Mm. And because he was only two, 
he couldn't tell his mother he was unwell. And as soon as he removed the food, she said, he just became like the other three children. And he was, so yeah, things like that make such a huge change in people's lives. And, and then his poor mother felt so guilty. She said, oh my God, I thought I had this quiet child, but she said, he's been unwell for the whole two years of his life. So, so that, was, that was a nice heartwarming story. Oh, that is beautiful. And I mean, your examples of the child, but also the adults where you're changing and working with them to change the quality of their life so that they can live a better quality of life and a better day-to-day life. As you said, not have to fear um, going to work or wondering where the next toilet is or um, worrying about, even that I can imagine some people in that situation have like a day-to-day management of what are they going to do and um, organizing their life around that. Yeah, often people's day-to-day management is, okay, I'm going from here to, and I live in Hurstville Grove in just south of the city. So a person's day-to-day management, if they were going to North Sydney, they would know where every public toilet was on the way. Mm. That's their way of managing it, which I can understand if that's the way that, that's the only way they can do it. But that is how people do manage their lives when they have something that's happening like that, which it's sad because it's just not necessary. Yeah. And um, I can imagine then if we're taking that out of the day-to-day management, that then opens up the attention and the, the consciousness to focus on other things and enjoy life oh, much, much better. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's right. It's life-changing. Yeah. Getting your gut in great shape is life-changing for many people. Mm. Um, is there a, something, a question just popped into my head and that is, is there different needs, like generally, that guts need uh, through different life stages? So as we get older, do we need to think about things differently for our gut or is it more on an individual level? It's more on an individual level, but as we get older, um, we, get, we have less stomach acid in our gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is probably one of the things that happens when we get older. And often you see in elderly people, they just, they've been cooking for 70 years and, it's, and they just don't want to cook anymore. They couldn't be bothered. So they would tend to have tea and toast and things like that, which are, are not great for anybody. Um, but yeah, it, it is more of an individual thing rather than what you see for the, over the lifespan. And are there um, trends within families? You know, is it genetically that, uh, that sort of influences some of those intolerances as well? Often, often you will see um, a parent and a child have the same, exactly the same intolerances. And often people will ring me and say, look, I want to bring myself and my children. And I say, pick the person that is the most unwell in your family. Let's get them right first. Let's remove the foods that show to be a problem for that person and keep everything else the same in the family. And you will find that that comes, that, that they will all, um, come together as well. So yeah, it's often something you see that does run in families. And often if a pregnant mother has poor gut health, the child will as well have poor gut health. Not always, but it's a common, common thing. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. This has been fantastic, Shaz. Um, I love your passion for what you have for the work that you do and the people you, you are seeing. Um, how's it been... I just want to ask for the past couple of months with COVID and a change of working, how's that been working out for you as well? Look, it 
it's it's been I've had to pivot and move online like many people did and in fact as naturopaths we were told our association said look you actually don't have to go online you can still see people if you want to but my thoughts were and especially in the beginning it was such a panic with that with the COVID my thoughts were I didn't want to catch the coronavirus and give it to a patient then to give it to their patient to to give it to the whole family if that makes sense so yep. I said look okay I'll, I'll just move online like everybody else did um, and it was great but my biggest skill is empathy. So it's quite difficult to speak to somebody on a screen and look at a camera um, and, and get a great understanding of what's going on in their life. So it can be done, but it's not as ideal as it is in person. But I, I do notice what I have started to see now is people that um, now have to go back to work and they're saying, oh, no, I have to get back on that train now. I better fix my calendar. So I'm seeing a host of people in this last couple of weeks that are realising that they actually do need to go back to an office environment and think, I better get my gut fixed before I go back. So they don't have to get off at Wallah Creek, get off at all these stations on the way to find the nearest toilet. Yeah, got you. You just reminded me of something I did want to talk about, and that is um, with our own immunity and gut health. What's the relationship there? Oh, look, with immunity and, and gut health, it, it's, uh, there's this huge, um, huge relationship because about 70% of your immunity is within your gut. So uh -huh. if you don't keep your gut in great shape, then it makes sense that your immune system also will not be in fantastic shape. So, and like I discussed before, um, the gut barrier is supposed contains a whole bucket load of immune complexes and, and it's a really complex situation so i suppose the basics are if you want your immune system to stay in great shape you need to keep your gut lining in great shape it's as simple as that so whilst we are thinking about uh in coming into winter in the southern hemisphere and the flu and obviously COVID 19 um looking after our gut to increase our immunity is really important Oh, it's it's super important, and, and not only will it help your immune system, but it, you will feel fantastic. Absolutely fantastic, yeah. And there are a few things, like I said to people, you know, try and limit your wheat and dairy intake to once a week. Try and limit your alcohol content to two servings a week. Um, make sure you really, really increase those immune system foods, such as zinc. So your seafood, your red meats, your nuts and seeds, your vitamin D foods like fatty fish and eggs. Um, your vitamin C foods, capsicum, strawberries, citrus uh, are fantastic. So your vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin A foods. So all yellow, orange fruits and vegetables. So pumpkin, carrots, oranges all have great amounts of vitamin A in there. So you can get this great variety in your diet. It will really, really help to keep your gut healthy. I think that's such a beautiful list of the rainbow of colours that you mentioned earlier and that variety Yes. And if you're seeing that, that rainbow, you're seeing that variation on your plate, um, not the beiges, you know, the browns, yes. the, the, no the coffee colours, the whites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's going to obviously make a difference, yeah. Yes, it does. Oh, that, I think that's such a great list of foods you just talked through um, for people to think about and think about that colour. But if someone's listening, before we, we wrap up, um, Shaz, I want to know if there's... Um, a little strategy that you know would help everybody, what would that be? Find out what's going on in your gut. 
get tested, it. find out. Yeah, you need to, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. You can guess and you can put in this food, you can put in that food and you can try this and you can try that. But don't guess, get a test. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, now um, I want to ask you, you mentioned empathy a couple of times, empathy mm-hmm. number one in your top five strengths. And uh, in the past, uh, through a program, you found out your top five strengths uh, with Tammy and I and working all that. Um, I just want to check in because I love the impact strengths has made in people's lives. What was the impact for you knowing those strengths for you? It makes you understand how you think about things and how you view the world. And, and I know sometimes when you can over-dial your strengths, that's also not great either. It's important to understand, okay, this is what my strength is. This is what I'm good at. But also to remember that there are other people that have other strengths and you need to work together. And it's important to understand where your strengths lie so you can use them responsibly and ethically and understand what your weaknesses are so you can work on improving those. Fantastic. Um, I, I love how you've ref- referenced your empathy a couple of times and I can imagine that's something you need to, need to be conscious of in the way that you are empathetic but also not getting fully involved in the emotions of your patients as well. I, I, I must admit, I'm quite good at that uh, and, and what I say to patients, and this is one reason why I don't do fertility work, and this might sound a bit strange, like if I was to do fertility work, I would feel that it's my responsibility to give you a baby. With gut work, it's my responsibility to find out what's going on, to say to you, I need to do this, this and this and this, but when you decide to go home and you decide that you're not going to do that, that's not my problem. I've given you all of the information. I've given you everything I can, can, but you need to now take responsibility and I will cut myself off there and say, this is now your responsibility. I'm here to support you, but I need you to do something. I can't mm. do everything. Yeah, people need to do the work themselves, don't they? That's correct, yes. Yeah. And, and that's what I said. When they do that work, they feel fantastic. You know, and yeah. people say to me, oh, thank you so much, thank you. And I said, look, I'm just doing my job You've done the work and this is why you feel so good. I cut out dairy and um, that was a challenge for me, particularly cheese. I love my cheese. But I'd, I'd shifted my um, type of milk in my coffee some time ago. And um, also I cut out meat for some time, but I am eating some more meat. But was it what eating, was eating salmon and some other fishes through that. But the way I felt was a lightness. I felt lighter. Yes. And, yeah. and my being. And um, I think there's that, that um, heaviness with some foods. And it doesn't, it's not just a heaviness in the gut, but it was a heaviness overall in my energy. So that lightness was something which um, I found, to be honest, the lightness I found addictive. I wanted to have more of that and feel like that, not feel the heaviness. Yeah. That, yeah. Often that happens. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, Sharon, tell me, please, what's your definition? of inspired energy? I think it's inspiration to do things that are going to give you energy. Love it. That's such a beautiful, um, I think, summary of, of what 
is all about for these conversations. And I think that anyone listening to this great chat with you, the good gut girl is going to get some inspiration to find out more about their gut and to feel that lightness and that energy. And I love how you also talked about a new norm, not the norm that we have now that we get used to of that heaviness and changing that. Yeah, that, that is so true. You know, mm. the, the way that people can feel and do feel once they discover what's going on in their gut and they make those changes. And sometimes it's as small as removing one or two foods and doing things like eating three meals a day, stop snacking. Just sometimes it just takes a small shift in things. And I say to people, they say, oh, they, they, people sometimes say to me, oh, I feel so silly. Shouldn't I have known that? And I say, no, you know. You know what you know best. I know what I know best. And it's up to me to share with you my knowledge so that you can learn how to get better yourself. Fantastic. Now, I love that. And I think it's a great way for us to wrap up. If someone wants to find out more about you and the work that you do and how you work with your patients, where's the best place to find you online? The best place is my website, which is www.thegoodgutgirl.com.au. I have quite a large Facebook group. Um, as well, like quite a large following and I post daily on Facebook and I'm in the middle at the moment of 50 gut tips in 50 days. So I've been popping a gut tip a day up on Facebook so people can have a look. On Instagram, the good gut girl, or the underscore good underscore gut underscore girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and just by email, naturopath at sharonhesp.com.au. So they are... Uh some great links. I'll make sure all those are in the show notes. And particularly, I think that Facebook one where you're sharing at the moment, those um, 50 tips in 50 days for a good gut. I think that's, that's fantastic. So lots of information there for people. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes and um, thank you again for your time and your knowledge. Um, Shaz, this has been awesome. Um, so thank you. I also want to encourage anyone that's listening to this conversation with Sharon, if you got something out of it and you want to share it online, uh, I'd love you to do that. Please tag the good gut girl and myself, Murray guest hashtag inspired energy. Um, Cause every time you share that uh, everyone else gets to get your insight as well. So we, we share the knowledge and the inspiration. So Shaz, thanks again so much for your time and energy. All the best for the rest of 2020 and for your health and keeping warm because it's getting cold down here. Um, but again, awesome chatting with you. Thank you, Murray. It was great to chat with you again too.